Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. I used to think time was my enemy. My future wasn't looking good. So worried about the things I couldn't see. I couldn't see the things I could. I was aging fearfully. Worrying my life away when all along I should have been thankful for every day. Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully Broadcasting from the rolling hills of the beautiful Tennessee Valley from the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains, across this amazing nation and spanning the universe, you're listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you exceptional guests and novel information to ensure you age great, live full, and embrace each extraordinary day for the incredible gift it is. Welcome, everyone, to the Aging Gratefully show. We broadcast every Friday on the CTR Network at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Welcome Aging Gratefully listeners around the world. So happy you're tuning in to another transformative power hour of enlightenment. Shout out to listeners from sea to shining sea, tuning in from all over the world. Welcome listeners across the United States, our nation of broadcast. Salutations to listeners from France, Italy, Great Britain, Australia, Germany, Greetings, aging rebels, tuning in from the Bahamas, the Netherlands, so many beautiful listeners out there, too many to mention, but I want everyone tuning in to smile together right now. I'm doing it. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm doing it right here at the Aging Gratefully mic, and we can use that, don't you think? So let's start a good kind of epidemic, not a pandemic, but instead a Spandemic, spanning the globe, that is, with a wear a smile, share a smile kind of smiling spandemic, because smiles are so contagious. We can literally make the world around us feel better today. 
just by sharing our signature grin with others. By the way, something else that makes me smile is our show's theme song. So many of you have told me that you've added it to your playlist. Thank you for that. Uh, Jim Beloff thanks you too. He's the singer-songwriter, world-renowned musician, and ukulele player extraordinaire that wrote that song. It's called Aging Gratefully. So please visit iTunes or Amazon Music and give Jim some Aging Gratefully love. Download that song. In fact, you know, all of his music is so awesome. Just get the entire album. It's called Dreams I Left in Pockets. You'll love it. So how are you doing out there? No, wait, wait. Let me ask you that differently. How are you? Well, in fact, wasn't that really any different? Were they the same question? Not actually. But we most often see them as such. We get asked this question a lot as part of a general greeting, that is. And usually we politely reciprocate a response such as, great, thanks. And you, to receive the obliging, fine, thanks, reply. But to ask how someone is doing is to put the emphasis on the process verb do. So we vary our replies, obviously, to this question often asked, depending on the relationship of the asker. For those closely entrusted into our inner circle, we may reveal how we really are doing. For those whom we've just met, we will meet the question with a more positive and generalized reply. But I am asking each of you out there to ask this question to yourself. How are you doing? Especially during these unprecedented times we face, I cannot imagine feeling more comfortable with anyone above ourselves. So by asking this to yours truly, we are not caught up in the formalities of the token response. We can truly reveal the answer akin to writing our innermost how are we doings in a cognitive diary. It's good to check in with you from time to time, to not get so used to the automated reply you are so programmed to parrot and actually ask yourself this question. If the answer is you're doing well, that's great. If instead you feel you're not so good, that's important information to reveal in this sacred space of you-ness. We don't fix things that we aren't aware are in need of repair. Sometimes we spend so much time giving, being, doing for others that we forget that we too need some tender loving care, time to reflect, redirect, and restore resilience. Because each of you are so incredibly resilient, more often even more than you may ever imagine. In the past, we've talked about the old adage, glass half empty or glass half full. We describe people this way sometimes. Oh, he or she is so negative. Everything they say is glass half full mentality. My perspective on this scenario is not to assess this glass as to how much it contains. By doing so, we lace our perspectives with our expectations. We spin reality tainted with our judgments. We unknowingly forecast our favor. What if we just simply accept the what isness of the contents the glass bears? Why are we keeping score? Why does it have to be half full or half empty? You may say because it's either one or the other. And to that I say, there's always another choice. 
our choice to choose perspectives, our choice of attitudes, our choice of interpretation. And so when I look at this glass filled with water to the halfway point, I simply see a glass containing life-sustaining liquid in it, for which I am grateful. You see, we waste a lot of time measuring, evaluating, keeping score, figuring out how we're up, how we're down, on the good side, on the bad side, winners, losers, further ahead, farther behind, better than, worse than, when instead we could simply just flow with the what-isness of life and appreciate the bumpy, sunny, turbulent, happy, devastating, funny, ironic, sad, unfortunate, joyful collage of events and circumstances that make up this eclectic journey we call life. Life doesn't make promises to us. We know that there is too much out there that makes no sense, things we cannot control, things we do not like, things we wish we had the capacity to fix. And some, of course, we can. Some things we can make better, and those are empowering moments. But others, they are out of our mortal control. But we are inherently fixers. We have evolved as a species, as being fixers, but we can't fix everything. And sometimes along the way of our Mr. or Miss Fix-It endeavors, we break a few other things trying to fix that one thing. You see, there will always be brokenness. There will always be room for improvement. There will always be ongoing construction site of life interrupted. Fixing a pothole here, forging a new road to get there, often ending up at the familiar intersection of left, right, forwards, and backwards. But as long as you're moving, doing, growing, evolving, you're on a path. And if you get off course, I want you to remember that glass. It's not half empty nor half full. It simply is. Let's give ourselves permission to be okay with being works in progress, headed in the right direction. We are all in the midst of challenges, of circumstances we feel unable to control right now. Currently, many are in situations of stay-at-home orders. They find themselves with an epic kind of life interrupted. And yet you out there have tapped into your reservoir of resilience. You have as best as possible adapted to the new normal you never asked for. As a culture, as a society, as a global unity of inhabitants of this planet Earth, we have fixed things as best as possible while nearly blindsided by this unfathomable, incomprehensible set of circumstances, we have innovated new approaches to be in life. There are so many things right now that are less than ideal, to say the least. We have experienced or even witnessed catastrophic loss. We wrestle with fear, wonder, and worry. But at least we are doing, evolving, growing, as a world, we grieve a life just a tiny wee distance in our rearview mirror, a life where we were all out and about, basking in the luxuries and conveniences we had come so accustomed to. And as we take sanctuary in the safe havens of our home, many of us that had the luxury, I might add, to do that because there are others whose wish is to have that privilege, the privilege to have a break, the privilege to distance themselves from the havoc, the sadness, to take control of the risk to themselves and their families and to not be sick even. There are superheroes throwing themselves in the line of dire every day and all day. And we give them our infinite gratitude for their generosity of self, spirit, and sacrifice to allow our world to orchestrate and maintain order. 
So what I am saying again is to accept the what isness. If you're home, be grateful for the opportunity. Do not fret about what you can't control. Remember, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday and worry paralyzes your soul's creativity. Instead, focus on crafting experiences in the present in spite of the unwelcomed chaos. Which brings us to our Aging Gratefully Alphabet Soup for the Psyche this week. It's by Zig Ziglar. Quote, if there is hope in the future, there is literally power in the present. And our Aging Gratefully show dedication this week is to the phrase of being present. One definition of being present is having your focus, your attention, your thoughts and feelings all fixed on the task at hand. If you are speaking to somebody, then your attention and energy is focused on them and what they're saying. Well, the opposite of being fully present is being, well, (laughs) everywhere but. So many people right now are thinking of what yesterday was like and while doing so, longing for a future where those things return to their lives. When we do this, we are focusing on the past, hoping for a future, and completely giving no merit or appreciation to the present. It is easy to do this as we literally are experts at allowing our mind to drift everywhere but now. I remind you of my quote, your mind is the steering wheel that drives the car of life. If you are headed to exit two, but you stop at exit one and three, you completely missed your exit. Let's not miss our exit, the gift of the present that is. Whatever you are doing, do so by being present. Don't pass over or pass by the present moment because it's easy to do. We pass over the here and now by heading someplace else. And if we do this over and over and make a practice of it, we look out the windows of our car of life at the final leg of our road trip and realize that life has simply passed us by. This is life, your life my life. Like it or not, the present is your present. Present of life, gift of aging and growing older. And you may wonder how to be present but still remain goal-oriented to the future. Hey, Holly, you may say, what about that bucket list you're always talking about? And that is where setting intentions comes in, to set intentions for your heart's desire while still being present. So with each day, I encourage you to be in the moment, to be present with the present you're bestowed, to be mindful of how you be. We've got a lot to talk about today in a show you will gain a lot of insight from. In fact, GAIN is a powerful acronym that you'll learn more about today. And today we're going to talk about Gain Without Pain, a practice, an approach, and even more exciting, the title of the new book authored by today's guest, Gain Without Pain. I'd like us to think about that. What a wonderful concept to gain without pain. Today you'll learn how and why this matters and so much and what to do to get more gain without pain in your life and live healthier, become better equipped to deal with stress, stress of our current circumstances, and even how to boost your immune system. So much today in this Power Hour of Enlightenment. So let's introduce our expert guest. Greg Hammer, MD, is a pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiologist, and professor at Stanford University Medical Center. Dr. Hammer's clinical focus is in pediatric cardiac anesthesia and pediatric critical care medicine. 
His research is in developmental pharmacology, immunology, and he has an active laboratory with multiple ongoing studies in these areas. Dr. Hammer is a health enthusiast and meditator utilizing a non-dualty and mindfulness-based approach, including the GAIN method. He is a member of the Stanford WellMD Initiative, the current chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists, and a member of the Wellness Committee for the American Society of Anesthesiologists. He has been a visiting professor and lecturer on wellness at institutions worldwide. He teaches GAIN to medical students, residents, and fellows at Stanford. Dr. Hammer is the co-author of Gain Without Pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals, which will be released May 15th of 2020. Please visit him and connect with him at www.greghammermd.com. It is with great pleasure to welcome you to the Aging Gratefully Show. So happy that you're here today. Thank you, Holly. It's my pleasure to be with you. Well, I just, I love your book and the Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for healthcare professionals. I venture to say anybody can benefit from this book. Yes. Well, that one has stories related to medicine. There's a follow-up book coming in a couple of months, which is called Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook. And that one is designed for everybody else. Okay. I did see two covers. Of about 90% of the material, yes. Okay, okay, very good. Uh, so thank you for writing this book, a, a literary lifeline for healthcare professionals, a wake-up call for many, and I dare say a breadcrumb trail back to the best of themselves. So it's uh, lovely work that you've created, very um, moving. And as I was reading it, it literally felt like I was in the room with you, uh, very me-to-you uh, kind of writing, very good. Um, so... I want to talk about your book, but I want to first talk about the conditions that we're in right now and how um, your acronym GAIN might play into helping listeners deal a little better with what's going on in the world today. Interesting question, Holly. You actually went through all of the bullet points in GAIN in your narrative just now, and that is that you emphasized Gratitude, you emphasize uh, discerning which things we can change and which we can't and accepting those that we cannot change. You mentioned the power of intention or purposefulness, and you also talked about non-judgment. I think the, the glass being half full or half empty is an excellent example because we don't have to make a judgment at all. The glass is simply containing water. It is what it is. That's its isness. It doesn't have to be judged as being not empty enough or not full enough. So I really enjoyed that narrative of yours. I think uh, the pillars of happiness and resilience and presence are simply those that constitute the acronym GAIN, gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And these are, I think, fundamental truths. And that's why when you were talking over the last several minutes, you kind of highlighted those principles without necessarily doing so intentionally. But I think really it gets down to those four elements if we're going to try to be more resilient and happier and more present. Okay, so the acronym GAIN is Gratitude, Acceptance, Intention, Non-Judgment. And these things lead to a more, more resilient us. 
Absolutely. You, you said yourself um, that when we're obsessed with thoughts of the past and thoughts of the future, we're not present. And oftentimes we obsess about the past. And because we have a negativity bias, sort of a glass half empty tilt, we have thoughts of the past that tend to be wrapped around shame and regret. Um, of course, we can have adaptive thoughts of the past by savoring our memories and learning from our mistakes. But when we start to feel regret and shame and self-doubt and self-judgment based on things in the past, that's really maladaptive. And the same thing about the future. Of course, we need to plan to some degree for the future. We can look forward to a trip we're taking with our family, and that's adaptive. But much of the time when our thoughts are based in the future, they're really focused on fear and anxiety, especially now. Um, and to that extent, those thoughts are maladaptive. And so the, the question is, yes, we need to consider the past and the future in adaptive ways, but how can we spend the rest of our time dwelling in the present moment? And I think that's the question that you raised or the point that you made uh, several minutes ago. And I, I personally believe that by focusing on these four elements, the gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment, we can gradually learn to rewire our brain to be more present, less self-judging and judging of others, and therefore more resilient and happy. And in that regard, we can be present as we age. I always think, well, you know, this death, deathbed perspective, when I'm much older, I hope, I'm much older when I'm on my deathbed. The last thing I want to do is look back and wish that I had been more present um, and enjoyed every moment while I was alive and healthy. And so I think of that often, and that helps kind of refocus my thought process. But, um, I, you know, I, I start my great. day every day with a game meditation and, and use those elements as, as tools and practices throughout the day. Yeah, and I think that's great to be able to kind of visualize your future older self and what you want to see looking back, how you lived. And so I think that that's great that you brought that up and actually honor that. You, uh, Lawson, um, is no stranger to you, certainly in your profession. Uh, there's, You know what it's like to be in a place where maybe uh, you can't you can't do what you want to do. You can't be the fixer. Uh, you can only be the person that stands by and provides their loving, compassionate support sometimes. Is that true? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I went into uh, pediatric intensive care, it was really with the love of a fast-paced, uh, complex, uh, cause and effect type of practice where things were happening quickly. I, I just enjoyed that the most. Certainly enjoyed saving a baby or a child. Um, but as you mentioned, it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes we can't save our patients. And, uh, so I thought, well, if I'm going to do this intensive care gig, I better acclimate myself to loss and, acceptance. That is, I can't fix all these children and they have congenital abnormalities or diseases, malignancies. All we can do is try to make them 
more comfortable in some cases and bring presence to the family. And so if I'm entering a patient's room who's at the end of life, uh, I tend to pause outside the room and, and remember my gratitude for the ability to do what I do. Uh, remember acceptance that, yes, I, I couldn't fix this patient and I just need to open my heart to that and accept it. I think of my intention, which is bringing myself to the present moment in a positive way. I use my purposefulness to do that. And then I think of non-judgment. Don't judge even the situation as being good or bad. It simply is, just like that glass half filled with water. So I tend to take a breath and do a quick gain scan, I guess, and then I go in the room and oftentimes, maybe it's a child who's been sick for some time, the family's very much current with the medical information. They've, they've asked all their questions over a period of weeks to months. They pretty much know what's going on. And all I can really do for them is look them in the eye and be present with them. And that alone is about the most reassuring thing I can do. And so, again, this takes intention and it takes practice. And for me, that's what GAIN is all about. You've beautifully articulated how GAIN can be used in, in even a situation like this because this is, I mean, the most heartbreaking of situations. And yet we see how that you can come and be, you know, an authentic uh, voice and supporter of love. And I, I think that it would only be seen as that when you are using the gain approach. It seems like that all barriers are down and you come in uh, authenticity with what you bring and what you bear. That is certainly my aim. Mm -hmm. So uh, also um, you've dedicated this book um, and I you know, just absolutely love it, uh, but uh, you've dedicated it to your daughter, Alexa and son, Max. And you've experienced not only heartbreak through your patients, but um, you you lost your son Max at the age of 29. I offer you know my deepest condolences. I I just was reading that, and I was just I could feel through the entire book your continued and ongoing love for both of your kids, but the inspirations that you carried with Max through it, it was felt on every page. Well, that, thank you, Holly. That actually means a lot to me. I, I appreciate it. I'm grateful for that. Yes, I lost my son at the age of 29, and um, he had an illness. I did everything I possibly could to to help him and, and be present with him, and we talked and texted frequently right up until the end, and um, he was up in Portland, and I was going back and forth a bit. Um, and I just uh, I do feel that I did what I could. Of course, there's always a tendency we face, and this is not limited to myself, to go back and wonder what we could have done differently. So if we have uh, a child or an adult child uh, who has some kind of psychological problems or uh, issue or disability, we always blame ourselves as parents and go back and think, what could we have done differently? And this is sort of the opening the door of regret and shame, and this is maladaptive. You know, we need to learn from any mistakes that we've made, but beyond that, beating ourselves up and, and really continuously going back to the past is not adaptive, and it takes us away from the present, and it, and it undermines our resilience and our happiness. So 
yes, losing my son is a indescribable loss and an indescribable pain. But when I feel that pain, first of all, I let it in. I don't resist it. I open my heart and kind of merge with it. And ultimately, in that way, I'm able to let it go. And uh, I've learned through a lot of painful times that I have to accept his loss. And and I did what I could. And, um, you know, I can't judge the situation because the world is exactly as the world is. There's lots of pain and suffering in the world. I'm not the only one. And we have to just accept what we can't change and also not judge it. And there's a, there's a difference between acceptance and non-judgment. Non-judgment is full of assignment of good or bad, for example. So, you know, we may judge one thing is good, one thing is bad, but in the end, we're better off not judging things at all. Uh, whereas acceptance really applies to pain and suffering. So they are different, but I think, you know, again, these four principles have, have helped me a lot and helping other people by passing on the message has also helped me a lot. Well, and I think that it's important that I think you even mentioned in the book, um, I may be, you know, kind of paraphrasing, but to sit with your grief and um, to feel that so that you have the opportunity to move through it. Yes, I think that's key, Holly. I, I have a, you know, in my profession, and I'm in a very highly technical field in uh, critical care and cardiac anesthesia and, and anesthesiology in general. Um, so we like equations. And I, I have an equation in the book, which is that. I know what you're going to say. Uh, su um, <laughs> suffering equals pain times resistance. I wanted to talk to so, you about that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the pain is there. So, you, you know, let's say you injure your knee skiing and it, it hurts. You can resist it, say, oh, no, why me? You know, and focus on the pain and your suffering will be magnified. On the other hand, you can accept it and just be grateful that your other knee is okay or that the injury wasn't worse. And you therefore lower your resistance to it by opening your heart and accepting the pain. And then the suffering on the other side of the equation will be diminished. So we can't always get rid of the pain, but since the suffering is the pain times the resistance we experience, we can lower the resistance and lower the suffering, even though the pain may still be there unchanged. Yeah, and I really like that. It was almost like you gave a recipe, actually, uh, for... Um, suffering and, you know, by the pain times resistance. So uh, I'd like to talk about on the other side of break, what is going on in the medical industry with healthcare professionals, because your book talks about um, healthcare burnout and things like that. And that's, that's uh, actually happening. So I was hoping that we could kind of talk about that on the other side of break. Of course, Holly, it'd be my pleasure. Great. Thank you for listening today. We're grateful to be with Dr. Greg Hammer, talking all things dealing uh, with and developing resilience and his soon-to-be new release book, Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, and another book following that, A Gain Without Pain. What's the title? Your Happiness Handbook.
your happiness handbook. You can learn more about him by visiting him at www.greghammermd.com. And I want to thank you awesome aging rebels around the world tuning in from so many wonderful, fantastic places around the globe. Uh, I just really appreciate how you embrace life with so much enthusiasm and investment. And thank you for sharing the show. It is you, the incredible listener, that have made this show the top 15 shows on aging on the entire planet you should listen and subscribe to. Thank you so much. You rock, you roll, model, and I am truly grateful for each of you. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, and we'll be right back. I'm Libba Gant from Huntsville, Alabama, and I love listening to the Aging Gratefully Show every Friday with gerontologist Holly Kelly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Ladder Life Planning Institute is the ultimate guidance for life's inevitable destiny and your path to passionate aging and inspirational advanced care planning. LLPI offers tools that educate, inspire, and enlighten. Live vibrantly, plan thoughtfully, age dynamically. Visit LLPI for business and individual consulting services. Professional and keynote speaking, books, workshops, education, webinars, and resources. LLPI is here to transform your ladder life living today. Visit them at ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com. Live extraordinary, age dynamically. Visit ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Dane here, author of Return of the Gentleman. And I was just on the Aging Gratefully show. And I have to say, what an amazing experience. Holly is truly a gem who pulls the greatest out of the people she's interviewing, but also has a genuine enthusiasm, not only for those she's interviewing, but for all of her listeners. And I highly recommend listening and checking her out because it is just awesome. And if I could say more, I would. Let's just end with, it is awesome. Sunrises and sunsets. Final Affairs Forged with Flair, Finesse, and Functionality is a delightful book for every adult of any age and any stage. This multi-award winning book written by gerontologist Holly Kelly is a soul-soothing journey and novel approach to completing your personal affairs and advanced care planning. Readers are calling it transformative, life-changing, and fun. 
Prepare Lovingly, Plan Thoughtfully, Live Dynamically. Available on Amazon and most bookstores. Author autographed copies are available at sunrisesandsunsetsbook.com where you can subscribe, register for a workshop, and more. Hello, I listen to the Asian Gratefully Show weekly. Hi, everyone. It's me, actor Chris Toomey, popping in at commercial to remind you that whether you listen live on Fridays or catch the show on your favorite player, you definitely make the time in your week for the Power Hour of Enlightenment. You won't be disappointed with each week's fresh new message of positivity. You can listen, share, subscribe on Holly's host page. Just visit www.ctrnetwork.com forward slash Holly Kelly. And now, back to the show. Thank you so much, best listeners in the world. Welcome back to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, here today with our amazing guest, Dr. Greg Hammer, who promotes happiness and health. And I know you, my awesome aging rebels, are all about that. So happy to have him with us today. Before we resume our conversation, I want to remind you that there's over 155 soul-enhancing Aging Gratefully episodes waiting for you on your favorite player. Wherever you like to listen, we are there. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, your Android and Apple devices, your Samsung and Amazon Fire Smart TVs. Literally, if you can't find us, I'd be really surprised. If you can't find us where you want to send me a message because our producer will take care of that. So please keep those reviews coming. Thank you uh, for those who have left them on iTunes and other platforms. One person left a review. This show changed my life. Oh my goodness, that really means so much. So appreciate you taking the time to let others know what you enjoy about the Aging Gratefully show. And I'm loving today's show. I know you are too. To learn more about today's guest, visit him at www.greghammermd.com. You can learn more about his life-enhancing work in so many areas, including his new release book, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. You can get that on Amazon and uh, through his website, and also Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook, soon to be released. A great gift to show thanks to your healthcare professionals in your life, but actually, I, I read the book, and it's a wonderful gift for anybody, including your family and friends. So welcome back to the show. Dr. Hammer, I was wondering if you could talk about what is happening within the healthcare industry because it is a, an extremely stressful position, but the burdens carried um, by healthcare heroes are immense. Yes. Well, as you suggested, Ali, burnout in medicine among physicians in particular is a huge problem. More than half of doctors experience signs of burnout. And when physicians are burnt out, they tend to leave their practice. Maybe they move to another uh, medical center or clinic. Uh, maybe they get out of medicine altogether. Uh, the quality of care goes down when treating physicians have manifestations of burnout. There are more medical errors, more surgical errors, uh, outcomes suffer, um, and there's an excess in deaths, actually, and that's been well shown. And doctors who are burnt out are more likely to have depression, and sadly, uh, more than a doctor commits, uh, every day commits suicide. So, um, on average, more than one per day. It's quite 
quite dramatic. And I think there are three sets of areas we can talk about when we talk about burnout. And, and this really applies to all of us. I'm sure that there are a lot of people in radio and television who are burnt out with all the difficulties and so on. Um, attorneys, uh, business people, young families, uh, life is stressful. So, but in medicine, uh, the burnout, I think, has a number of drivers that can be kind of categorized. One is that the culture of medicine needs to change. And, and I do believe that it is changing slowly. But, for example, when I trained, and to some extent now, you ask uh, a doctor in training or a young physician what they think of resilience, they think resilience is the ability to stay up all night and work and then maybe continue to work the next day. So we're talking about physical resilience. And yet the culture of medicine really has not accommodated people who uh, have suffered tragic events in their practice and really need psychological assistance that's highly stigmatized among physicians. So our culture really needs to change. Uh, our culture needs to move towards a greater amount of self-care and a healthier perspective. A second area where I think we need to do better has to do with practice inefficiencies. And uh, people in other lines of work experience this as well. But I think in medicine, it's really acute because physicians are being told by their administrators to see more patients every hour, and yet they're not given the infrastructure, the treatment rooms, the additional staff in order to do that. So they get very mixed messages, um, being pushed to see more patients, and yet that results in the patient sitting in the waiting room for a longer period of time. And also the patients have less time with their doctors, so the patients are less happy. And the administrators are also measuring our value and performance to some extent by the happiness of our patients. So these things are out of our control and are at odds with one another. And I think this creates a lot of stress. And there are other things like having to use an electronic medical record that may be extremely frustrating and time-consuming. And many of us take home charts and end up spending the evening on the computer. So this is a little bit of an overlap between the culture and also how efficient our practices are or are not. And the third area, which is really my interest, is in resilience. And I don't define resilience in a physical way, but rather... You know, resilience is our ability to be present, fully functional, and happy despite adverse circumstances. And that's really why I wrote this book, in order to help other healthcare providers become more resilient in the face of a number of cultural elements and practice inefficiencies that they may not be able to change on their own, certainly. So we need to be more resilient, and that's and that's my focus. Well, that's fantastic. And embracing your definition of resilience, I'm certainly a powerful tool across the globe right now uh, for everybody. I mean, we're all under stress. The stress is universal, I would say, especially in the COVID-19 era. You wrote in your book, quote, stress fortifies negative thoughts, carving them deeper into our subconscious. First of all, a beautiful sentence. And um, but so real. So I was hoping that you could talk about uh, how we can use GAIN, uh, Method to De-Stress, and the effects of stress on our health and our immune system. Absolutely, Holly. First of all, 
we could think of stress as being acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress might happen when, say, uh, you know, the cliche example, we're being chased by a, a predator, by a bear. We want uh, to have a stress response that involves having a lot of adrenaline released in our body, or epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline. And there's another hormone called cortisol that gets released during times of acute stress. And that may be helpful to us also because it tends to increase the amount of sugar in our bloodstream and gives our muscles more substrate, more energy with which to escape. So the combination of adrenaline and cortisol may be adaptive for an acute stressful event. What matters to us in terms of our health is how quickly we can have those levels of adrenaline and cortisol return back to baseline. So it's okay to get stressed. The idea is to have the resilience or the ability to cope and adapt so that we bring these hormone levels back down as quickly as possible. And the reason is that when they stay elevated and we go from acute to chronic stress where levels of adrenaline and cortisol and other hormones are elevated long-term, this has a deleterious effect on all of our body's functions. So as you mentioned, it has a suppressive effect on our immune system, and that's been demonstrated. It has a, an adverse effect on our, our circulatory system, our cardiovascular system. And I guess more poignantly, we could say that chronic stress causes us to age more rapidly. There are little structures called telomeres that are uh, on the ends of our chromosomes, and they help keep the integrity of our chromosomes intact. They're a little bit like the tape or plastic material at the end of our shoelaces that keeps the tips of our shoelaces from fraying and allows us to use those shoelaces for a longer period of time, so it keeps them intact. Our chromosomes have telomeres, and as we age, our telomeres get shorter and they don't do as good a job of protecting our chromosomes. That's one of the mechanisms uh, by virtue of which our bodies degrade over time. Uh, our telomeres get shorter and our chromosomes become more likely to be damaged. So we know from studies that chronic stress also causes shortening of telomeres. And the reverse occurs. If we reduce stress, if we find a way to be more present and happy and resilient, our telomeres tend to lengthen. So this is a very nice objective look at the physical and physiologic effects of chronic stress. So we need to really focus on this and try to find ways to let go of that stress that we feel, and we need tools to do that. And that's what I'm hoping that the GAIN method can do for people. And this is a perfect time, as you mentioned, to really focus on chronic stress and its remedies because we're all stressed out. We don't know what's going to happen, how long we're going to be isolated, when we're going to go back to work, what's going to happen with the economy, uh, the economy what's going to happen with my retirement account. So we're all very uncertain about the future, and that brings stress. So I think that all of us are stressed out right now to one degree or another, and this is really a perfect time to address that. So, yes, you're describing being overwhelmed. And so what is the best way to keep calm in times of overwhelmment? Well, I would recommend, as in my book, I have 
a chapter on happiness, what it is, why we don't have more of it. Had a chapter on forgiveness and compassion, which a guy named Fred Lutkin, who's a good friend of mine, uh, co-wrote with me. I have chapters on gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment separately. And then I have a chapter that brings it all together in a game meditation. And then there are chapters on sleep, exercise, and nutrition, because we do have to keep our bodies healthy. But my suggestion to people would be to say, commit to two things. One is each night before we go to sleep, let's think of three good things that happened during the day. So today I will think, well, I had a good night's sleep. I woke up, had a delicious cup of coffee while I did a puzzle. Then I was fortunate enough to be with Holly on her program. I'm going to go for a bike ride. It's a beautiful day. I'm sure that will be a positive memory. Uh, make a nice dinner, get further into my book. So when I go to bed tonight, I'll think back of how nice it was to be with you, Holly, how nice it was to get some exercise and have a good meal. So that's the first thing. Thinking of three good things before we go to sleep has actually been shown to improve our sleep and make us happier. It's, it's a process of using our intention, our purposefulness to rewire the way we think because we typically have a negativity bias and we go to sleep thinking about problematic issues from the day. So the first thing would be start to rewire our brains with three good things. And the second would be do a three-minute game meditation in the morning. So for people who have to get up at a particular time, set your alarm clock three minutes earlier. This, again, sets our intention the night before. And then we wake up, we do our usual hygiene thing, and then find a comfortable place to sit, hopefully quiet, be comfortable, and just do a three-minute meditation. And I, and I would advocate for first getting in touch with your breath, slowly inhaling through your nose to a count of three, pausing for a count of two, and then without effort, just letting the breath go to a count of four. This will slow your breath down. It actually lowers the amount of adrenaline in your body. So your heart rate will start to come down. Your breathing rate will come down. And you'll start to really free your mind and open your heart. And then spend 30 or 45 seconds thinking of all the things for which you're grateful. If anybody needs a good example um, of gratitude, do some digging and see some uh, YouTube film from the influenza pandemic of 1918. You'll see how bad things really were then and how much better things are now for us. And we can communicate with each other like this. So many things are so much better, and we need to be grateful for that. And we all have a lot for which to be grateful. So I, I leave it up to your listener to find several items for which they're very grateful in their lives. And then transition to contemplating the pain and suffering that exists in the world and that, and that we all feel. And just physically, with our eyes closed, just imagine our heart opening and letting in this pain and suffering and sitting with it. It may make us uncomfortable but it's a, it's a path toward accepting it. And then we can transition to our intention and know that through purposefulness, we can reorient our thoughts to happier thoughts and more present thoughts. And this takes practice just like exercising the muscles in our body. And then finally, I would spend another 30 to 45 seconds on non-judgment. And you described a, a perfect example of that, the, the glass that had 50% of its volume 
occupied by water? Is it half empty, half full? No, it's, it just is. So start to think of the world as being as it is. We didn't create it that way. We're not going to change it fundamentally. Just don't judge it as good or bad. And then you start practicing this in your everyday interactions with people and let judgments of others go. And ultimately, the hardest part is letting go of self-judgment. So all of this takes some practice, but the breathing, the gain, go back to the breath for 15 seconds, and then just slowly open our eyes, and we're ready to go out in the world. Well, I, I really appreciate that you've been able to share gain uh, with us. We've never covered this before on the show. And I think it's uh, in its simplicity, it's something that actually listeners will be able to practice and embrace and really try to incorporate this into their lives. These shows go so quickly. So I would definitely want to invite listeners to get your book, Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. And soon to be released um, right after that one is Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook. Uh, visit uh, Dr. Hammer at www.greghammermd.com. Thank you. Part of our gratitudes will definitely be um, having had you on the show. And our last question for you is, how do you age gratefully? By uh, trying to be present and embracing every moment. That way I won't find myself 10 years down the road regretting the way I lived my life 10 years prior. And you've certainly encouraged us to um, follow suit with that. So thank you so much for being uh, our guest today. We've really learned a lot. We could actually have two more hours with you. This time goes so quickly, um, but we just really appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure, Holly, and feel free to call on me anytime. Thank you. You've been listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you've enjoyed our message, I invite you to subscribe and share it with others. May you remember to never act your age and that age is just a number. And may you enjoy and embrace the coming week in the spirit of gratitude. Until we meet again, here's to living your best life now. I used to think time was my enemy. My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time you could say that I'm aging gratefully, mm, aging gratefully.